The following program is paid for by the partners and viewers of the Life of Faith broadcast. This is Dr. Fry, and I want to thank you for viewing today's broadcast. It is such an honor to be able to share the Word of God with you through this medium of television. Today, I'm going to continue my series of lessons on evangelism. It's important for us to embrace the Great Commission. Jesus said in Matthew 28, to go ye. He had finished his work, then he gave us the assignment to go and be his arms, his legs, his feet, his hands, to minister to the world on his behalf. So sit back, enjoy today's lesson, and I know you'll be blessed. God bless you. Let's join Dr. Wayne Fry for the continuation of today's message. By Holy Ghost, so we can love people. Well, Pastor, you just don't know folk I like. I know. No, it don't matter. You can still love them. Isn't it amazing we always want to get off the hook? No, you can be made, uh, you are being made a fisher of men. And so he'll give you the equipment uh, to get the job done. Praise God. And not only that, he'll work with us and Jesus will himself draw men to us so that we can catch men for him. You with me? Now go to Luke 5. Go to Luke 5. Now I've used this passage of scripture. Uh, talking about finances, and we can use it for finances and increase, but we also can use it uh, for this point here about fishers of men uh, as well. Luke chapter 5, and uh, let's begin reading at uh, uh, probably about round 2 or 3. Let's see here. Luke 5. Right, we're going to start at verse 1. You there? It says, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he en entered one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep. And let down your nets for a draught. And Simon said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when he had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. Now, let me ask you some questions about this story. Do you believe that it was the will of God or will of Jesus for uh, for Simon to be increased because of his yielding his boat for ministry. Yes. All right. Do you believe that Jesus had the power and the authority to speak to the fish in the lake and tell the fish to jump into the boat? 
Y'all agree with that? You, do you believe that? You think he had the power to do that? To speak to a fish that fish get up in the head. Get on, get on with me. And they would have just started jumping in the boat. My question is, why would Jesus tell them to let down the net if Jesus could have simply told the fish to jump in the boat? Because Jesus needed their involvement in what he wanted to have done. So I take that story and I relate it to this. Jesus could draw every unsaved and every un unchurched person to this church today. We could have a line three miles long because Jesus wanted it to happen. He, he, could, he could draw people himself. But how many know he wants our participation? We have to cast a net. Y'all see what I'm saying? So now when we go and cast the net and when we go and re release the net, then he'll start drawing fish to the net. And so now the fish get in the net and guess who got to draw in the fish? We have to draw in the fish. Why? Because we're we're his hands. We're his feet. We're the ones that need to be actively participating in what he wants to get done. So if we don't do our part, he may want to draw fish. He may want to draw men. But if there's no net, where are they going to go? If nobody's releasing the net, how are they going to get caught? Y'all hear what I'm saying? So we have a part to play. Say with me one more time. Say, I have the ministry of reconciliation. Now, the vision of this church or the part of the vision of the church has always been to support, uh, to model the Great Commission in the community and then support the Great Commission around the world. So evangelism has been at the very heart of this ministry from day one. It's what God is what God wants for this ministry. And so when we become an evangelistic church, what we're really doing is that we're really aligning ourselves with the heart of God. If God's heart is evangelism and we become an evangelistic church and we are an evangelistic church, then we're uh, directly in line with the heart of God. Are y'all seeing that? Praise God. But then I, I begin to ask myself, then what's the challenge? I mean, what's the challenge as it relates to this evangelism? What, why is it challenging for people who are saved, who people who know God, who people who say they love God, who people who have said they've had an encounter and experienced God, people who've been blessed and people who've been healed and people who've been set free and people who've been delivered and people who've been prosperous? How, what, what's the challenge? Why those same people don't turn around and tell somebody else about the one who got them out? Because they didn't get out by themselves. What's the challenge? And this is the challenge. This is the challenge. Is that uh, the challenge is self-centeredness. And centeredness is the word I looked it up. <laughs> self-centeredness. That's the challenge. Tell your neighbor, said, neighbor, that wasn't a good place to get quiet. That wasn't a good place to get quiet. <laughs> Go on, tell me. You, you, you should have said amen. You should have said mm-hmm. You should have said preach, pastor. You should have said something. <laughs> Somebody said, well, self-centeredness is the challenge. It's because truth be told and truth should be told that when we met Jesus, we had tremendous needs. May not have been financial, but may have been emotional. May not have been emotional, it may have been physical. But we had tremendous needs 
when we, when we met Jesus, because a lot of us, or some of us, I wouldn't say a lot of us, many of us met Jesus at the end of our rope. We had tried everything. We had, we had basically hit rock bottom. We didn't know what else to do, and we heard somebody say, try Jesus. And we said, well, I didn't try everything else. Let me try him. And it worked out that when you tried Jesus, he's, he was your answer. Or what, you know, what, you know, a relationship with him was your answer. And so we are self-centered or people are self-centered by nature. In other words, we like uh, to look inward. We like to make sure that me, myself, and I is taken care of. Enough for me and my four and no more. (laughs) Self-centered by nature. Most people are self-centered by nature. And now you may find and we may find some rare gems throughout our lifetime. You know, people like, uh, you know, like a Gandhi or or Mother Teresa or Nelson Mandela or or somebody like that. You, You find rare gems throughout society and throughout history that really have have lived their entire life to give away. I mean, they, they, if they don't have anything, they're fine with it as long as who they want to reach has everything. And they're willing to live at whatever level they need to live at to make sure that's happening. Now, we find rare gems like that, for, but for the most part, for the most part, for the most part, <laughs> we are very self-centered. And so now when we have needs and we get those needs met, we enter a place of euphoria almost, a place of utopia, like, boy, I've been struggling all my life, and now things are calm. I don't want to move. I just want to enjoy where I am for a minute. Come on, talk to me. But that minute turns into hours. And those hours turns into days, and those days turns into weeks, and those weeks turns into months, and those months turns into years, and you ain't you are still at the same place because you don't want to do nothing <laughs> to mess this state up. You hear what I'm saying? <laughs> it's a funny thing that uh, I was talking to uh, to my pastor last week. And we were, we, you know, he was encouraging me some things as we we're approaching this uh, particular building project. He's like, you know, just make sure that you don't get over into fear. You just, you know, minister to me, get over it. Make sure I don't get o- over into fear as it relates to, you know, I'm thinking about how much we, how many resources we got to gotta put out and what this, what this is going to cost and what this is going to cost. And we're going to need that and we're going to need that and we're going to need that. And he, so he was just encouraging me. He said, make sure because he said, you can find yourself, you don't watch it, just creeping over into fear right out of faith and you'll start doing some things based upon what your bottom line says instead of what God said and I said "Mm mm-hmm yes sir you know it it was real real good real appropriate uh, time of ministry that he had because I can see how that can easily get out and so he he made this statement he said you got to remember you got to go back to the place when you ain't had nothing He said, when you ain't had nothing, you believe God for everything. 
He said, now you walk around here and got something. Now you don't want to believe God for anything. <laughs> and that's how we get sometimes. When we don't have anything, we believe God for everything. But as soon as we get a little nest egg, as soon as we get a little com uh, comfort, now we don't believe God for anything. We just now operate based upon what we have. You know what that is? That's self-centeredness. That's self-centeredness. And so that's the challenge. People are, are for the most part, by nature, self-centered. And if we don't overcome this self-centeredness, then you'll never step out in evangelism like God really wants you to. Because it will become in convenient and we love our conveniences now I'm the first one I'll be the first one in line if they if somebody asks the question who loves conveniences I'll be the first one in line say yes amen that's me right here if one button can do the same thing as pressing three buttons that's what I want <laughs> come on talk to me instead of three remotes I can get it done in one give me the one remote come on and so, but, but this self-centeredness self is just simply this, people. Self-centeredness is just simply putting you in the center. That's what it is. That means everything else around you is happening, but you don't see what's happening around you because you're focused on you because you place you in the center. And the moment you put you in the center, you turn your back on the outside. And so now I'm just focusing on what I have to do, um, you know, the time I have. Um, I can't be doing all that. Um, you know, people don't I'm busy. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, say, see, law, see, law, see, law. Go on, tell them, see, law. Say, see, I got to get scripture on you. I got scripture, scripture on you, see, law. Yeah, just think on that a minute. Yeah, you, you just begin to think about what, what's, what's the first things you think about uh, in your, when you start your day? Things you got to do. What things you think about for the weekend? Things you got to do. When you go and open up your wallet and your checkbook, what do you think about first? Things I got to do. Oh, y'all ain't going with me. I'm losing my crowd. I'm losing my crowd. Might have a praise break up in here. Losing my crowd. No, that's what you think about, right? You think about what I got to do. And if all we're thinking about is what I have to do, where's there room for God to speak to us about what he would like us to do? Where is that room? I went, oh, man, I, I got I to take care of this. I got to take care of this. I got to take care of this. Well, when are you going to take care of what he wants to take care of? Hello? That's Brother Hagin. You say, y'all here, y'all going home. What'd you, what'd you? <laughs> What's going on? Just uh, you See, that's the challenge. The challenge. Go to John 4. Let me just go to John 4 as we get in to wrap this up because I'll let y'all marinate on that for a week. 
Take inventory. How self-centered am I really? And then check this out. You can be, you can be a lover of God. You can be a server, servant of God. You can be a giver to the kingdom of God and yet still be self-centered. You can. You can be very you can have very a lot of gifts and talents and all those kind of things, and you can yield some of those to the body of Christ, but yet you can still be self-centered. All right, John 4, y'all need scripture. John 4. Look at this here. John 4. And um, I'll tell you where we're going to start here in a minute. This is a story of the woman at the well that Jesus met. And, you know, you know I'll, I'll just paraphrase the story for the sake of time. But <coughs> the Bible says Jesus had an unction on the inside of him. He said, I, got, I need to go to Samaria. In other words, Jesus had a prompting by the Spirit of God that he had to go a certain way for a certain reason. And so Jesus gets to this well, and he gets to the well, and nobody's at the well. And so Jesus takes a seat, and this woman from Samaria comes to the well with her water, water pot, as she does every day. And Jesus asked her this question. He said, hey, girl. <laughs> yeah, that, okay, maybe you got to go back and read your Bible again. <laughs> hey, girl, hey, 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 give me something to drink. And she, it stops in her track because Jesus being a Jewish person, she being a Samarian, she knew, hey, we aren't supposed to be talking. So she probably looked at Jesus and said, who are you talking to? <laughs> Jesus said, you, give me something to drink. And I'm sure if she had a little bit of, just a little bit of spice about her, she'd have probably say, um, you was already here at the well. <laughs> you sitting on the well that got the water that you want to drink. Why you ask me for something to drink? Get it yourself. You know, she got a little spice. Y'all know no ladies with no spice. <laughs> husband said. Come on, husband said. Oh, don't be scared. Don't be scared. The husband like, oh. Pastor, don't do that to me, Pastor. Ah! Ah! Don't do that to me, Pastor. <laughs> yeah, if you've been mad longer than six weeks, you know you got a lady with some spice. Get it yourself. <laughs> Jesus said, girl, if you had any clue who you was talking to, you get on over there and give me something to drink. Because he said, I got the water, girl, that I'm going to give you that you ain't ever going to thirst no more. And she's probably like, show sure up. That means I got to come back to this well no more. <laughs> Man, Jesus, give me that water. Well, we understand that he wasn't talking about natural water. He was talking about the water that will continually feed her for the rest of her days. And so, you know, he read a mail, you know, told her that, hey, you know, he, he said, what's up with your husband? She said, I ain't got no husband. He said, yeah, you ain't lying. Because you'd have had four of them rascals. <laughs> and the one you would have now ain't even your husband. Ah, this man, how you know all that, Jesus? You must be a prophet. 
So, of course, she had an encounter with Jesus. And she said, man, I got to go home and tell these people. I need to go tell them. I saw, met a man that tell me all that I have ever done. Now, let's speak of reading here. And um, verse number 26. Not 25. Go to 25. 425, you there? It says, the woman said unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Jesus went down the way. I'm the man. I'm the man. And upon this <coughs> came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. They brought that man. You see that? Why Jesus talking to that girl? He know, don't he know better? Yet no man says, what seekest thou, or why talkest with her? Notice now, ain't nobody asking why Jesus is talking to the girl. They just amazed that he is. Isn't that something? And then the woman left the water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come see a man which told me all things I, that I ever or ever I did, is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Look at verse 31, though. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him or urged him, saying, Master, eat. Now, now, check this out now. Jesus just ministered to this girl, and she then went back to the city. And so it couldn't have been too far because, you know, it, the, the, the way the story reads, um, you know, couldn't be too far. So now she's coming back with the entire city. The entire city coming back to see Jesus. And the first thing the disciples think about is having lunch. <laughs> Y'all ain't see that in there? Master, master, man, you got to eat something. Master. Hey, Jesus, you got to get something to eat, man. Come on. We, we, went, we didn't went to town and brought back this lunch. Come on, man, let's eat. Now the whole town coming back to Jesus, and they want to have lunch. Sounds like a little bit of what? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, I'm on my way to lunch. I'm on my lunch break. I got to run down here and pick me up a bite to eat so I can get back on time. What well, if somebody here needs to be ministered to? Are we willing to miss one lunch? Oh, Lord, okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me finish this up so y'all, so praise God. Master E, let's have lunch, Jesus. Well, look at verse 32. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And look at verse, uh, the, the disciples. They, boy, I'll tell you what, sometimes it took them a while to get it. <laughs> and they was hanging out with Jesus. Come on now. Therefore said the disciples one another, now who bought them something to eat? <laughs> Jesus sent them to go get something to eat. They came back with the food. They said, let's have lunch, Jesus. Jesus said, I, I, know already, I know already, basically he's saying, I know already ate. Or um, the, the, my provision doesn't come from natural food. My provision comes from doing what the Father. And, and they sitting around thinking that, now, I wonder who bought Jesus something to eat. 
Verse 34, Jesus said unto them, my meat or my provision or my nourishment is this, to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. So Jesus says, man, I'm getting fed by doing the will of my father. It is not time to eat natural food now. It is time to minister. I got a whole town coming to me. It's not time to eat lunch. I'll eat later. I ain't getting many amens on this one, but it's all right. And it's not just talking about eating lunch. It's talking about all those other activities that we're unwilling to put on the back burner when there may be an opportunity in front of us to minister. You mean to tell me that Jesus and God can't take care of or help me redeem the time on the back end if I put his will in front? You mean this is so very important that I have to do it right now and miss an opportunity to minister and do the will of the Father? Now look at what Jesus finishes up saying. Jesus says, Jesus told the guys, he said, listen guys, say not you, or don't you say there is yet four months and then come to harvest. He says, behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Jesus says, Jesus is telling these guys, he said, man, don't, don't act like we got, we got time. Don't act like we can eat lunch and then minister. No, he said, lift up your heads. In other words, get off yourself. Get off the point that you may be hungry. Get away from that. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your heads because if you're self-centered, you're only looking within. You're looking only on your stuff. He said, now I got to change your vision. I got to change what you see. I got to change what you focus on. Lift up your head. Look at this harvest. A whole town is coming. He said, look at this harvest. It's white ready to harvest. We're getting ready to harvest some people for the Lord. It ain't time to eat. And I'm telling you, FCCIs, it's not time to say it's going to be in four months. It's now. Look around you. I mean, look, look at the city. It's, it's ripe. It's ready for harvest. Are we going to miss some lunch to reach some people or what? Or are we going to just keep looking at ourselves and looking at our stuff and missing what's going on around us? Are you hearing what I'm saying? From time to time, I time to time I look at the newspaper, and one of the one of the main sections in the newspaper is the, is the obituary section. And always you'll see people dying prematurely. And I'm saying, did they have an opportunity to receive the Lord? Right in our city. Don't say it's four months. We're gonna do this in August, or we're gonna do this in April. We're gonna do this in March. No, the time is now. Lift up your heads, for the harvest is ripe. Amen. Faith Christian Center International and the Life of Faith broadcast has gone global with new media outlets such as a free mobile app, Apple iTunes podcasting, a 24-7 internet TV network, Google TV and Roku TV channel. The Life of Faith broadcast now reaches over 150 million homes globally with God's word and God's love. Take advantage of these new media outlets at your own convenience, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and enjoy the teaching ministry of Dr. Wayne A. Fry. More choices anytime.
You've been watching the Life of Faith broadcast with Dr. Wayne A. Fry. We pray that your faith has been strengthened and your heart encouraged by the Word of God. This broadcast can be viewed 24-7 at no charge at www.fccintl.org. Join with us next time on this station for another life-changing message with Dr. Wayne A. Fry.